Hi, I'm Julia Adolph, and welcome to Loose Leaf Notebook, where we will explore the connection between creativity and mental health, nurturing artistry, emotional intelligence, and self-care. I'm a composer, and I will be sharing my own personal creative process and journey towards mental health, as well as inviting other artists and creative individuals to share their own inspiring stories with you. Today I am joined by composer Andrew Norman. Andrew's music is performed by major orchestras around the world. He has twice been a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize and has received the prestigious Grawmeyer Award, Berlin Prize, Rome Prize, and Guggenheim Fellowship, just to name a few. Andrew shares how his anxiety has led to a significant period of writer's block. Together, we discuss some of the underlying sources of his anxiety and brainstorm together how he can move forward and reconnect with the joyful part of his creative process. This episode of Loose Leaf Notebook is supported by New Music USA and featured on New Music Box. Hi, Andrew! Hi! Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well, doing well, thank you. And it's actually snowing right now. I don't know if it's yeah. doing that in Nashville, but um, <laughs> quite lovely. So I've heard you speak a lot about how you love capturing this kind of chaos of modern technology and how our minds are sort of constantly being bombarded by different imagery, like lots of quick change in attention spans and how kind of our minds work differently now than they used to. When I've heard you speak about that, um, it actually reminds me of how my mind works when I'm in a highly anxious state. Um, and I often use technology as kind of a metaphor um, for my own experience of just being highly overstimulated with anxiety. Um, so I was just curious, is that something that you can identify with or that you've thought about in a conscious way? Or am I just projecting my own... <laughs> <laughs> my, my own psychology onto you. Which is, of course, totally okay. I mean, I mean, to bring our own experiences to any work of art is like the beauty of, of putting your stuff out in the world. So I think that there, for me, is like this fine line between like the kind of euphoria of the bombardment and the joy of that and then the anxiety and the, the kind of the negative sides of feeling totally um, unmoored or untethered. I feel like sometimes w when I go to that space or want to go to that space in my music, I'm not entirely sure which side of that very fine line I'm coming down on. Um, and I find also that, that, that people bring um, very different reactions to it as well. Like sometimes uh, I think that I'm going for something that is a little bit more um, joyful and playful and other people see it as um, entrapping and kind of um, uh, suffocating. I am reminded when, when you are, are speaking about how this music reminds you of your own brain, I do have intense feelings of anxiety, especially when I'm starting a project. And I have gone through many periods in my creative life when the audience and, and composer interface feels very uh, fraught to me. And that music, like the music that's in play and pieces like it, often comes from me um, like holding 
back or being unable to write anything because I'm kind of, I have a lot of anxiety about how I behave in that space or how my music behaves in that space. So I hold back and hold back and then something breaks and I just go, it feels like me trying, like just letting a zillion things out of my head um, and trying just like letting it all out in this like tidal wave of chaos and ideas. And so that I think that that's part of where that music comes from for me is there's always like, um, there is like this high, high degree of anxiety. Um, and then at a certain point, it's like something triggers a, a release and that all goes out there. But there's also this element of, and I'm, I'm trying to get better at it, but of me feeling very uncomfortable or deeply unsure about how to put work in at that space in particular, the symphony orchestra space, right. which is like where I, I like where I basically work. And I think there was a sense that I developed this this kind of language of this frenetic language, which is a little bit like I picture myself like dancing like really fast and uncontrollably in front of people because it's like, well, I have to like keep entertaining and throwing them out. And like it's like it's almost like um I'm I'm put some space where I don't belong and my way of coping with that is going <laughs> I mean that's an honest like uh, it's an honest picture of my mental energies in in that moment and feeling and oftentimes what the pieces do then is they have to work through that till they find some other kind of space do you have a sense or do you want to share where this anxiety comes from to, you know in your personal life maybe pre Andrew in the music world mm. Well, I mean, as a person growing up, I think I've always felt, let's see, how do I say this? I've always been acutely aware of the ways I don't belong, basically. And like- the ways you don't what? Belong. Um, ways don't belong. And like, I've always, I, and, and since I was a child, kind of like fixated on these things. I always, even when I was young, I felt like I was always triangulating out of like figuring out what other people believed and thought and valued. And but I always felt like keenly aware of the ways that I was different, but then also feeling that I should uh, minimize or hide those things. My father's an evangelical minister and, um, and I grew up in a, you know, a very, very loving and supportive home, but the, the community around me um, at a certain point became very clear to me that I was gay and they were not into that or just not even exposed to that really but um that was something i held on to as a kid and a teenager and i think deeply impacted my sort of way of interfacing with the world because um when you even at that very um kind of deep level you just always feel like you you're not um honest and you're also deeply distrustful of your own instincts and your own feelings and so um that even as like an artist growing up and then being out in the world now uh, for so long, it's still, I still have a tendency to um, distrust my own self. And my guess is most all of us or all of us feel some version of this, of, of like how, how, to, how to be the truthful, honest self out in the world. And as a composer, that's always, I think for me, like the big question is like, well, like, what is my honest self? There is a sense that when you're when you're a younger composer, you have to define yourself a little bit, and and or the world will do it for you. So you better do it yourself, and it's not easy, right? 
And it's like, it's a very complicated personal question. Do you identify as somebody who experiences anxiety, like with a capital A, whatever that means? Or, um, you know, have you tried therapy or ever had some kind of diagnosis, evaluation in your life? Um, I would say that, uh, yes, I, I definitely had anxiety with a capital A. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't know that I would, I would say that in, in recent years that I've, I've had the, 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 the kind of capital A anxiety. So I've gone, like, since I was a teenager, I've gone through cycles. And that's also like, this is part of my, um, part of my emotional life. It's part of my creative life where I go through periods where I am a productive and healthier. And then I go through periods where I am not productive and not super healthy mentally. And when you're in this darker period, it's really hard to tell what caused it and what will cause you to get out of it. But so I, I went through a couple of those cycles in my 20s. And then at the end of my 20s, when I was back in school, I had like a really bad one. Um, and I did, I went, I had therapy then and I, I, I had um, a medication for a little bit. It was also like I was trying to sort out my personal life and, and uh, trying to figure out how to uh, basically how to be out in the world it was not very easy for me. And uh, it, um, it all kind of came together. I, I had a period of, of being medicated and um, luckily, like I think the, the worst of it was over then. I still struggle with being a, a good composer and writing and being productive and uh, and um, I actually am going through a huge period right now of, of creative difficulty, though my, my, the rest of my life is amazing and really, really joyful. So I did that. That was about 10 years ago when I had um, that bout. And um, yeah, I've had, I've had dark and, and stressful times in my work since. And um, I actually, this, this current one that I'm in has really been a couple years going now and, and so it's quite long um it actually started before the pandemic and i just uh it's like i wanted to take a moment and reflect and make sure that i was making the work that i wanted to make and suddenly this moment these questions just got bigger and bigger and bigger and then uh suddenly it's two years later and i find myself very hard uh, very far away from like putting notes on a page. Do you talk about these big questions with anybody? Like with your husband or other composers? You know, I, I, not as much as I should, for, for real. And I think that that is, I mean, if there's, if there's anything I can say isn't to people, it's just make sure you have people you can talk to and talk to and talk to. And um, I, I do talk to people but I would, wouldn't say that my creative life is filled with instances of me talking about my creative anxiety with other people or my creative troubles. Um, and I think that I am, if I'm to be completely honest, I still feel like I'm a bit ashamed um, yeah. of that and um, don't like going there, especially when you're, when you're like, like I am, and you're going on multiple years of not producing music, um, then it's like, well, all the people who I had this conversation with, I've had it with like 18 months ago. Um, 
and how how to keep that going is uh, uh or it, it, keep engaged with people is is hard. So I'm I'm really appreciative of this. Thank you for having me. I feel like I'm doing it in public, but that's okay. Like, yeah. um, that's okay. So yeah, if, if for anyone out there, just find your find people that you can talk to all the time. Um, and you know, I have a, co a couple of composing friends. We generally keep it a little bit on the lighter side, but I struggle. Like on, on top of my actual issues of my creative issues, there's also these like shame issues of like, poser, I can't make music, I'm being a waste of the world, I'm wasting everything. Like, um, uh, and I've been given so much and I can't do anything, and it like it like just compounds itself in a um, in a bad way. So yeah. Well, and you have the extra pressure of everyone else in the world seeing you as an enormous success. Um, so what's Andrew's definition of success? My definition of success is walking into this room every day and feeling empowered to write music and feeling able and feeling like I am following my creativity and figuring things out and actually writing you know you know when that happens it's like it's amazing that's why we do this like uh it is its own euphoric feeling and like that is that's my definition of success and like doing that every day like getting yeah. up getting there getting the getting the kids up and out and then getting here and being of a clear mind and doing it but it's been years and uh that happened with any regularity i mean I wrote a, a couple small things in the pandemic, like little solo things for friends, but like these gigantic um, kind of like big orchestral, you know, these, the kind of projects that that you do are, they're so consuming. Um, but that to me is like finding that on a daily basis, that's my version of that. And by, by that account, I'm a, I'm a terrible failure, so. I started working with a creative coach. Nice. And this is the first time in my life I've been able to write every single day. Um, and it's incredible. But before that, I, I used to just procrastinate to no end. And it's hard to explain to another person I've found why it is so hard to just sit down and just you know, turn on the keyboard, get out your paper. So I guess maybe I'll try asking you this impossible question. I mean, it's it's just, it's hard to convey, I think. For me, the anxiety is, you know, it's, it can be so debilitating that I just, I can't even get in the room. Like, I'm not even in the room. I'm doing yeah. the dishes. I'm doing, you know, the cleaning. I'm answering my emails. I'm doing whatever else <laughs> other yeah. than facing the page. So what is hard for you in in that in that sort of getting started yeah well first i i i agree completely that it is it is like it is the hardest thing um for me it's and i i will do anything i will i literally do anything other than compose most of the time and i have very significant negative voices that have told me for so long that i'm not no good like negative internal voices that are telling me that i'm not good that like i know i i get what you mean i like i even like on day like today when i've had nothing to do but compose i've turned that keyboard on maybe twice and i'll go over and i'll be like 
Oh, that's crap. <laughs> Absolute crap. And then I, I, I'm also, I'm like, so I think this is what, like, I'm so quick to like, anytime I have any kind of creative thought or creative impulse, I also have like an equally strong and most of the time stronger negative impulse to that same thing. I, like, so it's like, I have uh, kind of self-canceling impulses as a creator. And that's, um, I think that I've gone through that feeling so many times that they, I like know what it is in advance. And that's why I, have a hard time actually doing it because I know I'm just gonna cancel it. That for me is like, it's a really hard cycle to break of like, well, I like, I know whatever I do will not be good enough. So I'm not even gonna do anything. Is it, like orchestral music definitely suffers from like masterpiece syndrome of like, it has to be a masterpiece. Like it does, that's, that's what that space demands. Like I tell myself really horrible, stupid things. Like this has to be the best thing you've ever written. This has to be like uh, worthy of these amazing people who are gonna play it and people who are gonna listen to it. And like, um, so that like, uh, again, it's like this, it's the cycle. And like, I, I get to the point where it's like, I, I can't even engage in that hamster wheel. So- It's exhausting too. Exhausting. It is exhausting. exhausting. Yeah, there's like, there's definitely a fatalist, sort of part of me that knows I'm going to fail. So I'm not even going to try every day. And that's, um, that's upsetting. And, and like, at this point, like I said, I started asking all these big questions, you know, my work. And then suddenly I'm so far away from like the joy of making sounds and putting them on a page that I don't even know how to get those muscles working anymore. If any of my students are listening, don't get to this spot. Right? <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> It's hard though, and I mean, you have two little kids now. Um, yeah. Is that part of what's, um, you know, been on your mind these past couple of years that you're newborns? Yes, I mean, how can it not be? But, um, and they are, it's, it's true that everything, as soon as the first one, Gustav, came along, um, everything took twice as long in my life. It, it, it's how it was. Um, and I no longer had, if I wanted to before, I had the space to stay up all night following an idea or, um, you know, cram on that orchestra piece, work myself raw bone and those kinds of situations. And I just don't have that anymore. I do think though that my creative problems predate my children and um, are actually in a weird way, not really related to my kids and probably in a good way. Yes, yes. (laughs) My kids, um, the family, life is is a constant source of joy even when it's like they're screaming bloody murder and I'm, sure yeah but it is it is like a truly joyful thing and but it is it is for me at least it has neither been the unlocking solution nor has it been the overwhelming problem before we had gustav uh people were like oh this is gonna unlock this wonderful new door in your writing and you're just gonna become this like mm. like it's gonna like everything will become like clear and fatherhood will change your work and we're so excited and no that didn't didn't happen i honestly think that um like i i have i have these issues i'm working through i'm still working through yeah so. yeah i mean it's a lifelong thing although I, it can get easier i wonder is there anything is there any like uh short little thing from your creative coach that you might would you have any thoughts for me I mean, I have a lot of thoughts for you. <laughs> um, I think the biggest one is 
forgetting what the commission is, trying to forget who it's for and when it's due or when it's supposed to be due and all of that. Mm-hmm. And the goal being creating a routine that you stick to mm-hmm. um, and really actually showing up at the same time every day. Mm-hmm. And even if it's just you just start with half hour a day or 15 mm-hmm. minutes, just like at noon, I'm going to sit at my desk for 15 minutes and I'm going to open my sketchbook and I'm going to turn on the keyboard. And even if I just like go like this, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to leave. Yeah. And just like trying to build the habit of that and just saying, I'm going to write because I'm going to write. Like not, I'm going to write because I'm going to create the most beautiful melody anyone's ever heard. But I'm just going to get something down on paper and then I'm going to look at it again later and maybe I'm going to throw it out. Yeah. Then 15 minutes comes, it becomes a half hour. Then it becomes an hour. Then maybe there's two sessions a day. Because the other thing that I found was that writing as crazy, like as the anxiety is surrounding writing, the actual act of writing does alleviate anxiety for me. Like you feel better, right? After you write. So part of it is like you get into a vicious cycle where you're scared to write because you're anxious you don't write. And because you're not getting your release of the anxiety through the writing, then you're getting more anxiety from not writing. And then it's just like builds and builds and builds and builds and snowballs. So it's so it's sort of partially too just like giving you those 20 minutes to just like release some of your creative energy mm-hmm. um, just to just like help your nervous system and try to just like do it for you Or, I mean, one thing I thought, it's funny you mentioned that people were saying, oh, having kids is going to change your music. But, like, sometimes I will write a piece about my cat. You know, I don't have kids. But, like, I'll be like, this piece is about, like, today I'm going to write about my cat. And Mm -hmm. I just, like, come up with a couple little jumps and skips that are just playful and joyful. And it's like you said, it's like reconnecting with what was once fun about writing music that you lose access to with a lot of these pressures and stresses. Yeah. No, I, I love, I love that so much. It's so like, I'm, I'm very, like I, I get um, very like product oriented of like our, all of our commissions, I feel like are like backward in a way, because it's like, you will end up with this thing. Right. And it's very specific. It will end up, in this environment and it, you know, so and it's not like the kind of exploratory work where you're like, like I'm gonna start here and then find my way to the work. It feels like, like I, I, I know the feeling of what that violin concerto is gonna like in like the room and the people in it. And like, like I'm, I get very obsessed with that. That then squashes the, I'm just gonna like follow and be, be creative. You know, I've like, I've, I've definitely had many discussions with um well with my publisher and various people about you know trying to just jump off the commission train a little bit oh, and yeah and in fact i sort of have because basically when when all this started happening a couple years ago everything everything got but for me personally everything was postponed and then the world got postponed but i haven't fully taken that leap and i do wonder if it's something that I will do of like, no, we're not going to schedule any of these pieces. They're not going to have concrete ends. I'm going to start each one 
from here, not even really knowing what it's going to be. And then we'll figure out what it is. So something, something about that is deeply attractive. Something about it is also scary because, you know, without a deadline, maybe I won't ever write anything. But um, so, but it is true that, like, at a certain point, for me, like, my creativity got dangerously circumscribed by these, like, finished product things, which were, like, very bad. I was not like following my creativity here on the ground, but like always pointing it toward what the finished product had to be. So writing a piece about my kids or um, the snow falling right now, like, or like just going over there, I guess over there, um, and like finding something joyful is like, yes, that's what I need to do. Yeah, I, I've read that you said that you need to reinvent yourself. You feel like you need to reinvent yourself with every piece. And I'm wondering, like, like, look, everyone loves Andrew Norman. Like, like you're <laughs> like what? Like, I don't want to embarrass you, but like you're doing great. You know, like people love your music. Like, why? Like, what's what's why are you why do you feel like there has to be a new Andrew with with each piece? Like, why can't there just be like, here's Andrew watching the snowfall for yeah. 20 minutes or whatever, or five minutes. Like here's, here's Gustav like running around the living room and like, yeah. that's enough. Like, why isn't that enough the, for it's, you? It's a really excellent point. Um, I am, I'm reminded of, uh, of, of all things, a quote from Mean Girls. Um, <laughs> when Tina Fey's character, the teacher is like, I'm a pusher. I punch people. Um, and I think that I am a pusher of myself. And I think that somewhere along the line, I got a very deeply ingrained belief that that to be an artist or for me to be an artist is to push myself and to become better. And part of becoming better for me is doing the things that I haven't done and trying and exploring and pushing. And I definitely like and that also, I, that gets very complicated for me too, because it's like, with so much pushing. I also sometimes push beyond what is my natural impulse. And then like, it is my desire to improve myself. Is it actually kind of negating myself or like not allowing me to do the things that I do or want to do or like to do. Um, and that, that, that's very complicated. And then also, so so I have that. I deeply want to be growing as an artist. And so I always want to be pushing myself. But then, but it gets to the point where I want to push so hard that there's like, there's no foundation anymore. Or there's no, like, I, like there's like a, a level of self-denial. But then there's also this weird sense that, that, that I have that at a certain point, when I realized that people were paying attention to what I did, uh, which was really messing with my head like incredibly when I realized that there was all like suddenly there was like a narrative about me and my work and like um out in in the world and I was like what this is so weird because this is it's like me trying my best to get out like get creativity going out of my own head and just write things down and then suddenly people were like I like it made me deeply uncomfortable that people are talking about it and like and right. I also was like really fascinated by it, but like it was really incredible. But I also felt like I, I somehow I owe it because I've been given so much in my career and because I've been given so many opportunities and, and been like 
like had good fortune to have have work and opportunities come my way at a very high level that like I owe it to everyone to push myself and to push beyond and to never ever become complacent in in my artistry which as I say this is a this can be a good thing this but it can also be as it has become for me like a deeply self-hurtful thing in a way does that make sense yeah I mean one thing that I do because I also I do think it's important to grow as an artist with each piece and so I usually pick one to three things I want to do differently mm. in in the piece so I don't try to reinvent myself afresh with each one but I think and I actually have a list on my wall mm. of what am I doing in this piece that I haven't done in another piece and oh, yeah. it's just but it's just maybe it's just one thing yeah. Because you're you grow over decades, you know, like you don't have to grow from you can grow a little bit with each piece. One, I mean, just one. I don't know if it's irony or if it's sad, but it's like uh, for me, when I go through these periods, of like, oh, I don't know who I am and what I want to do and I have to grow and I have to change. I have to change everything. And then, then that's where that anxiety. And then often when I do the this thing and then I let it all out. I did actually sound quite similar to when I did that like a cycle ago, a cycle ago. It's like when I reinvent myself, I'm always the same thing anyway. So. Well, because you'll always be Andrew and and like, and you know, your voice is incredible. It really is. Aww. And and I hope you are able to get to that point where where you really believe that. You could honestly, you could write like a bad piece and... I don't even know what that would mean. And it wouldn't affect, like, people would still love it and it wouldn't affect your career. You know what I mean? I, uh, you you I don't believe that. No, no, no. I mean, I, I, yeah, I know what you mean. And no, I don't personally, like, deep down, I don't believe that um, <laughs> in a way that I don't want to admit. But yeah, I, uh, like, that's what, exactly what I have, I have um, trouble with. And, you know, I think it comes down to, you know, like, like trusting oneself. It's like kind of like artist, artist 101. And I will get there. I will, will. get there. And you I've will. been, because I've been there before. And yeah. I know that feeling of like having these, these creative things and like knowing how they can kind of morph and change in piece after piece after piece and having that creative trajectory that like is bigger than any one um, mission or concert or piece. And like, and having a, a sense of oneself. Like, yeah, I remember what that feels like. I will get there again. Yeah. Oh man, I get lost, I do, I, I get lost. So what has worked for you in the past? Like what's helped you get to that breakthrough point? There's like no one answer. You know, when, when I'm stuck or in, in this bad space, there's like, um, I well this is, I, like I often have this feeling like I can't remember how to get out of it when I'm in it and you know, it's like, People have all sorts of helpful things to say, and I appreciate them all. But like, there's always some mental switch that happens, and then I'm out of it. And then when I go back and look, I'm like, okay, Andrew, remember what that was? So the next time this happens, you don't have to spend two years like in a dump. But I can't often pinpoint what it is. Sometimes it's like a collaboration, like a human kind of relationship. Yeah. Sometimes it's a, a moment of clarity that comes when I'm in a concert listening to some other music, you, you know, it, it was often engaging with artistic production or human creation that was not music, but some other thing often 
starts me going in back into my musical brain. So is there's that like the, the classic museum, watch a movie, like uh, read a read a novel. Those things have helped in the past. To be honest, it's not it's not usually the piece itself that gets me back into the piece. And and or there's like the, there's also I think this moment there's this moment where I become at peace with kind of ignoring like I don't know the field or the world or like yes like all the voices that I perceive to be out there and what is going on. And it's like, I, I do, I like go through this cycle where it's like, I want to stay engaged. And like, as a teacher, it's my job to stay engaged with the field and like know what's going on and, and like keep my fingers on the pulses of this, that, and the other thing. Um, but then like for my own creative sanity, I also need to kind of shut the door on that sometimes. And because like going back to what I said earlier, I end up triangulating myself. Yeah. Like, like don't even, I know I'm not supposed to, but I keep doing it anyway. I, cause I, as a human being want to be engaged, especially with my own field. But then at a certain point, I also have to kind of draw a boundary or, or put my work blinders on. The older I get, like the more I'm just, sometimes I'm like overwhelmed. And yeah. I don't like admitting that because, um, you know, I want to be like a good sponge. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> I want to be like, like the person who listens and and has has everything in their ears. And um, but sometimes I can't be. I guess I'm admitting that now. I can't always be the perfect sponge, um, and I can't always be engaged with the world and out. Like I, I need to retreat to make work sometimes. A little bit of a turtle mentality. You know, I think this is okay, but it's like it's it's like a, it's a difficult balance. I don't know. I don't... Well, you have to wring out the sponge. Do you have a sponge wringing out process? <laughs> yeah, so the first 30 seconds of play is just like me wringing out. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. I need a sponge wringing process. That is beautiful. I'm writing that down. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you can't be a good sponge if you don't wring it out. Otherwise, you'll just be like soppy forever. That's the best. Literal <laughs> best. I love it. So I also thought about, you know, this idea of like reinvention and development. Have you ever thought about just writing a piece where the goal of the piece was not actually transforming yourself as a musician, but just like transforming yourself as a person? What if the goal of this piece, like this piece was about Andrew writing every day for an hour? And like, what happens just like as an experiment? What does Andrew's music sound like? when he's showing up every day at noon for an hour? Like, what kind of piece does that create? And that just being like an experiment for you? And what does that mean if your music is actually different? Could that inform your sense of your musicianship? Mm. I love that idea um, and have never thought of it. I've written pieces where I've dramatized this process, like the the like the unstock. I mean, I have like a piece called Unstock. And yeah. Then, uh, like the whole like creative trouble, like I've, I've done the writing about writing thing, but if I'm being perfectly honest with you, that has always been public facing work. You know what I mean? Like this work's gonna end up in this very public sphere. And right. like, so it's in a way, yeah, sure, it's dramatizing a very personal thing, but it's doing it in a way that I knew was gonna be public. But writing a piece where I'm like, the whole concept is literally, is actually just like, well, what happens? What happens when Andrew shows up at noon every day um, but like not 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 for the world to see what Andrew does at noon, but for Andrew to see what Andrew yes. does at noon, um, uh, which are 
which are very different things. Yeah, but can you say that one more time so I don't lose it? It's like a sure. piece. Yeah. You know, you were talking about how when you write a piece, you want each piece to kind of, you want to challenge yourself as an artist, right, with each piece and do something differently. And so I was saying, what if you're also with each piece, you're challenging yourself as a person, like Andrew's personal growth with the idea that it's inherently linked to your musicianship and your artistic growth. And so what if the piece is about what happens when Andrew sits down at noon every single day and writes for an hour? What kind of music comes out of you when that's the only parameter? I talk with my coach every day about my process. And maybe that's something that you, I mean, even if you want to talk to me, like, <laughs> but just like talking, talking about the struggles of the process every single day, along with writing every single day. That sounds beautiful and amazing. And part of me is like totally terrified about that. Other people have suggested that I try something like that. And I'm just like, <laughs> Oh, um, but yeah, I could. I that it does sound. It sounds amazing. Like, uh, sounds amazing. Oh my goodness! No, I mean this has been so. I mean, it's been so helpful. If anything, this is hitting home the idea that I do need to talk more. Um, and I I need to like, you know, it doesn't always have to be in public on a podcast. But um, I work with with younger composers in a couple of different capacities, and I absolutely love it. And sometimes I feel bad because like my own creative life is a wreck, but I am also helping other people. And um, if anything, I feel like I'm good at recognizing the seeds of my my own creative anxieties in other people and helping them. Like being that in younger composers and at least knowing how to talk about it. Because I don't I don't know how you felt about your training, but but even though I had so many wonderful teachers, um, but at a certain point I didn't couldn't quite open up on the deepest level about these issues with with you know mentors. Like we're we're all struggling with these things, and and too may, maybe I mean maybe I will also just say the appearance of success out in the world. This is like none of that's real like i know that there's this vast gulf between what happens out in public and what is going on in my head and in my life and in my trying to sort out my own creativity and and i and i know that's the case for everyone else we all have to find like the the own, our own personal way through all this stuff that is why i so appreciate you being so open with about your own struggles because you know people see you and deservedly you know see you as as a person of success in our you know in our community and so to hear what goes on in the studio and what goes on in your head um is is so important for other musicians and composers because you're right we do all struggle but i think it's so important to remember too like what's the, what's the struggle that's inherent in work and and creative life? And then what's the, you know, sort of torturous, anxiety-ridden struggle that's maybe something we need help with or mm -hmm. we need to talk to others about? It's doesn't have to be as hard. That's absolutely right. And there are healthy creative struggles and then there are unhealthy, um, you know, 
personal and creative yeah that we're, we're all dealing with yeah it. well i mean like i i mean also like i'm right in the middle of it but i am here too i'm here for you i'm here for anyone like i'm here for students and anyone who's not my student like like it is hard and we should all remember to rely on each other right yeah like yeah we are not uh we're not competing with each other or there's none of that that none of that is real i know i probably sound like a train wreck on this interview but i am also here for other people to be train wrecks too so uh, <laughs> if like uh um i do actually i absolutely love doing what you have done to me i i do that for other people too yeah. as much as i can so i just want to put that out there that that is deeply important. No, thank you so much, Andrew. If listeners want to find you and connect with you, how, where should they go? Where can they hear their, your music? Oh, I guess I have a website. Like, uh, I think it's andrewnormanmusic.com. I think there's an email on there that will get to me. Uh, anyone wants to listen to my stuff, that would be where they can, where they can uh, check that out. As Andrew said, it is so important for us to have people whom we can talk to, who we really trust, so that we can work through all the things that are on our minds. Andrew pointed out that feeling ashamed can often block us from reaching out or seeking support. I know for me, this podcast really is a way for me to help let go of my own shame surrounding anxiety. And I believe that sharing stories is really what helps us find community and realize that we are not alone. So thank you, Andrew, for being with us today. And thank you for listening. This episode is supported by New Music USA and featured on New Music Box. Thank you for listening to Loose Leaf Notebook. I'm Julia Adolph, and the music you are hearing is my orchestral work, Dark Sand Sifting Light, performed by the New York Philharmonic with Alan Gilbert conducting. If you'd like to hear some more of my music, you can visit my website at juliaadolph.com or my YouTube channel, which also has video versions of all of these podcasts. Thanks again.